quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. They have a deal, or at least they think they do. Republicans racing for their first big win in the Trump era. And the one word that Trump's national security team best not bring to their briefings, hint, it starts with R and ends with Usha. Plus, another White House staffer heads for the exit, but this time with all the flair of a reality show. This is the State of America tonight. Just days away, delivering a truly amazing victory for American families. A really hectic couple of days for Republicans. This is looking like a nail biter. This is an absurd piece of legislation. What we need to do is pay attention to the middle class and working families. In truth, this helps family. Dishonestly telling people it's a tax break for the middle class. His uh, pursuit of a friendship, of a bond with Putin, undercuts his own secretary of state. Trump seems to be emotionally connecting the election and Russia meddling. The White House is struggling. He has to put aside anything that has to do with the election, and he has to remember what his oath to the Constitution is. Hello, everyone. I'm Kate Baldwin. Live in New York, two of viewers watching around the world. This is State of America tonight. Today, it all comes down to the numbers, the good, the bad, the ugly, even the metaphorical. Let's begin with taxes and the president's promise. We want to give you, the American people, a giant tax cut for Christmas. And when I say giant, I mean giant. Giant, but just how giant, of course, depends on who you talk to. Here is the Republican House Speaker. This tax cut will mean less of a paycheck going to Washington and more to the hardworking person who earned it. Again, that's the whole purpose of this bill. Bigger paychecks for the people working hard to provide for their families. This is real relief. But then there's also this analysis by CNN. The biggest changes help corporations and the wealthy. All of these things help uh, very rich people uh, and, and businesses. And then there's the Democrats. It's daylight robbery. It's, and, and every iteration, the GOP tax scam becomes even more cowardly, outrageous, dishonest, brazen threat, theft from middle class families. It's a monumental con job. They're not getting away with it, as you see the American people are paying attention. So all of this now really matters because the tax train, after talking and talking and me boring you with it for so long, it looks like it is finally leaving the station. Congressional leaders have hammered out a deal between the Senate deal, the Senate bill, and the House plan, and they are now looking to have a final vote sometime next week. But that brings us to another number that really, really matters, the Senate math. Remember that Republicans have a slim two-vote majority in that chamber, meaning they can't lose more than that and still get this huge legislative priority through. And there are a lot of Republicans to keep an eye on right now. 
The chairman, Brady, said that they felt like they were comfortable in the House. The Senate, still a lot of open questions there. Keep your eye on Susan Collins, Jeff Flake, Bob Corker, a lot of the people we paid attention to throughout the Senate debate earlier. And also keep an eye on those two senators, Thad Cochran and John McCain, who have had health issues. Senator Cochran's spokesman said very clearly he plans to be back next week for any potential vote. Senator McCain is still in Walter Reed Medical Center recovering from his cancer treatment. So there are a lot of open questions here. A lot. And on top of those numbers, there's also these numbers they need to take into account, the poll numbers. A new poll out by Quinnipiac shows that only 26 percent of Americans support this Republican tax plan. Fifty five percent say they do not like it. So why then are Republicans in the White House pushing so hard to get this done if the public isn't with them? Very simple. The number one. They all need to get at least one big legislative win on the board before they head into the midterm elections next year. And they believe... Or else, basically, their majorities in Congress if they don't. And taxes is their best bet and chance. Turning to another number that matters, the number of current administration officials who now believe Russia meddled in the 2016 election against those who don't believe it. It's basically, at this point, a million to one. Everyone from the CIA director on down versus the president. How many times do I have to answer this question? Can you just say Russia yes no is a it? ruse. That was back in February. His opinion hasn't changed much since then. And a new window into all of that today comes from the Washington Post. There's not been, uh, based on our reporting, any presidential level uh, National Security Council meeting or cabinet level meeting to address Russian interference and what to do about it. The Post reporting not only has there not been a single cabinet-level meeting on what many consider the biggest threat to America's national security in decades, Russia's meddling, but also this. President Trump's daily intelligence briefings have to be rearranged to avoid upsetting him because of talk of Russia. Here's a quote from the, from the article. Russia-related intelligence that might draw Trump's ire is in some cases included only in written assessments and not raised orally. Trump's main briefer, adjust the order of his presentation and text, aiming to soften the impact. If you talk about Russia, meddling, interference, that takes the PDB, which is the presidential daily briefing, off the rails, says a former senior U.S. intelligence official. A former staffer on former President Clinton's National Security Council reacted to this this way. The entire intelligence apparatus is based on getting the president of the United States the information that he or she someday needs to make important decisions protecting our national security. If with all of that effort that we have, we're not able to communicate the information about one of our greatest adversaries in a time of unbelievable crisis such as this, it makes the entire government unable to function. Well, the president has at least one person on his side today. Let's call it his plus one, since we're talking numbers. Russia's president, Vladimir Putin, asked about the question of collusion, said this. This is all dreamed up by people who are in opposition to Trump, so as to make sure that everybody thinks that what he's doing, what he's working at, is illegitimate. Good company, but the numbers are still stacked against them on this one. 
And speaking of numbers, the number of sexual harassment allegations against sitting members of Congress just keep racking up, along with the number of lawmakers who have been forced to leave Congress because of it. The latest, Republican Congressman Blake Farenthold, this guy, saying today he is not going to be seeking re-election. The timing of his announcement comes right after CNN's MJ Lee uncovered a new story. There's already been allegations and investigations into him, by the way, on sexual harassment. But this time, a former male staffer has come forward to accuse the lawmaker of relentless, abusive behavior. He says that Farenthold, in front of other staffers, used a crude, crude term for performing oral sex that I'm not going to use on air, uh, telling him, quote, better have your fiancé do that before she walks down the aisle. And another disturbing detail is that Ricola tells me that Farenthold regularly referred to AIDS as a profanity that will shorthand on air as F-tards. Seriously, these are elected officials. The lawmaker put out this video statement today. I allowed a workplace culture to take root in my office that was too permissive and decidedly unprofessional. It accommodated uh, destructive gossip, offhand comments, off-color jokes, and behavior that in general was less than professional. Reaction from the top Republican in the House. Essentially, see you later. I uh, had a couple conversations with, with, with Blake Farenthold yesterday. I think he's making the right decision to retire. Um, these are, there are new stories that are very dis- disconcerting. Uh, unacceptable behavior has been alleged in those stories, and I think he's made the right decision that he's going to be leaving Congress. Um, and that's, that reflects some of the conversations we had. One of the Democrats who's leading the charge, pushing for big changes in how sexual harassment claims are dealt with in Congress, she had a slightly more colorful language for this one. As to Mr. Farenthold, from what I have read, all I can say is uh, I think it's gross, it's embarrassing, it's beneath the dignity of a member if, if what he said he did say. And I'll just add, someone should wash his mouth out with detergent. That's, that might be part of the punishment. <laughs> and our final number of the day, your number is up. Not you, but yet another White House staffer. This time, one of the more well-known, at least to Americans, Omarosa Manigault Newman. She came to fame as first a contestant on Donald Trump's reality show, The Apprentice. Omarosa, go out and sell paintings or whatever the hell you're doing. Omarosa has to go. You're fired. That was then. Then she was brought into the White House as this, quote, assistant to the president and director of communications for the Office of Public Liaison. In short, honestly, guys, no one really knew what that meant. I still don't know. I've never even heard of that, that title before. And now she is simply unemployed, but not without drama, which, of course, she took immediately to TV to explain. When I have a chance to tell my story, Michael, quite a story to tell as the only African-American woman in this White House, as a senior staff and assistant to the president, I have seen things that have made me uncomfortable, that have upset me, that have affected me deeply and emotionally, that has affected my community and my people. And when I can tell my story, it is a profound story that I know the world will want to hear. Sounds like she learned a thing or two from the boss while she was at the West Wing, like how to sell books. We'll all stand by with bated breath on that one. Also today at the White House, U.S. President Donald Trump is giving an update on his um, efforts to eliminate regulations throughout the country. It's one of his campaign promises. He sees, of course, these regulations as bad and excessive. 
He's starting to speak right now. We're going to stand by and see what else he talks about. But one thing you do not have to hold your breath for anymore is to find out how ex- what exactly Republicans are pushing for their in their pushing for in their tax plan. Easy for me to say. The deal is out. The teams are picking sides and Republicans are counting heads as they hope, pray and plead to get a win on the board. That's next. doesn't love a tax cut wrapped up with a little holiday bow. No, that's not on your holiday list? Crazy. Well, that's definitely on Republicans' holiday lists, and they might just get it. But who wins, who loses, and why are they moving so fast? The panel tonight, John Avalon is here, CNN political analyst and editor-in-chief of The Daily Beast. Bruce Haynes is a Republican consultant and founder of Purple Strategies. And John Phillips is CNN political commentator and radio talk show host. Simone Sanders, CNN political commentator. She was press secretary for Bernie Sanders' presidential campaign. All right, let's get to it, friends. So much fun. Taxes. Nothing gets me more excited than taxes. John. Me too. Uh, thank you, Simone. Thank you for the enthusiasm. John Avalon, how close is this going to be? Where are we right now? This is going to be tight because the Republicans don't have a ton of room for error, but they're almost entirely unified in the need to get a win on the board. They can't feel they feel they can't go back to their constituents after having unified control of government without bringing back something that's in their core catechism playbook. And that's tax cuts. Problem is, this bill is not terribly popular. It's less popular than President Trump. That's a problem. Now, what they've come out with (laughs) is taken away some of the more offensive aspects of this bill. Uh, Students are no longer going to get taxed on their loans, for example. uh, But they've lowered rates for for the wealthiest. And and this is going to be a problem down the road for them. But they desperately want that win in the short run. I mean, Bruce, he's talking about 26 percent is what Avalon's pointing to right now. 26 percent is the (laughs) approval rating for this tax bill right now. 55 percent of those polled don't like it. Why is that? And why are Republicans paying attention to it? I don't think the process of watching sausage making happen in real time is a very popular recreational activity either. <laughs> and, th- and, that's what, and that's what watching this tax bill move along has been and felt like. Um, you, you know, I, I, there are some, a lot of good things in this tax bill. I think it's legislation that Republicans ultimately are going to be proud of. It's going to create jobs. It's going to put money in people's pockets. And when the tax bill is passed, it will be a win. There will be a celebration. People will look at what's in it. And then hopefully what will happen is it will deliver the things that it promises, more jobs, more money in people's pockets. And that's when we can judge what kind of piece of legislation this is going to be. Bruce Haynes just made the fatal error of teeing me up for my next question, John Phillips. He said, we'll pass it and then people get to see what's in it. Remember who said that when it came to Obamacare? And remember what Republicans did with that line? I mean, that's where we are right now. What Republicans are saying are essentially, poll numbers be damned. We're going to get this through and people are going to like it when they have it. Isn't that a gamble? Yeah, I guess I'd sell it a different kind of way. Maybe say <laughs> eating sausage is a lot more fun than making sausage. Leave the sausage but, out exactly. of this. No, you're making no one hungry. <laughs> this is a bill they should be able to get through. You've got Donald Trump, who's essentially an independent, and you got Republicans in Congress who have their own agenda. This is a type of bill, I think, that would come up if it was Marco Rubio or Jeb Bush or any of the other Republicans that were running for president. They were running on this type of tax reform. But the dynamic that's at play at Washington is a really dangerous one for trying to push legisl- legislation beyond the goal line. We used to live in a world where there were strong parties, when we had Tammany Hall and all the political machines. Now we live in a world where there's weak parties and strong partisanship and an independent, essentially, in the White House. And that's what Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell are working with. It's a very 
fine line that they're going to have to walk. But if they don't do it, the Republicans are going to get killed in the midterms. Well, and that is actually, I'm going to get to that one second. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Optimism, John Avalon. But on the question of poll numbers, um, (laughs) the president's budget director, Simone, he was asked directly about the poll numbers today. And here is what he had to say. Listen to this. Can you explain to me why people don't like the idea of a tax cut? Sure, because if you turn to any channel besides this one, all you're going to hear is, you know, bad news about this particular bill. <laughs> so it's just the way I've been talking about this thing. This making I've got that much influence over the American people. It's all on you. Oh yeah, because it's it's your fault. It's yes, it's all on you, Kate. You've done this. Look, I think this tax bill is unpopular um, because the little bit that we that folks have known about what was in both the House version and the Senate version, and now this reconciliation version, it it wasn't great. There was some really just bad, quote unquote, to quote the president, some bad hombres um, in this bill. I mean, when you talk about the fact that the individual um, um, tax cuts expire, but the corporate tax cuts are permanent, like what is that about? This looks like and smells like and reads kind of like a bill that benefits the wealthiest folks in America and not the middle class. And this notion that somehow if you cut taxes for the corporations, that's going to benefit everyday regular American people um, is just not something that folks are buying into necessarily. That's why the bill's unpopular. And John Avalon, Marco Rubio, not one of the people who's been really on the need to watch and be nervous about list. He just came out and said he's a no unless there are major changes, which let's be honest, there isn't going to be major changes on this. They're moving this thing to the floor. So that's right. And and that's why I say the margin is already tight. And if they're losing Marco Rubio, that's a real problem. And that, I think, speaks to, you know, John John Phillips, God bless him. But first of all, this president isn't an independent. And second of all, if a Jeb Bush or Mark Rubio put forward well, a tax bill, he's been every other party, so he might as well be an independent. <laughs> Well, you know, he's a conservative populist. I think we can agree on that. But look, one of the things Republicans have utterly given up is caring about the generational theft, the deficit, and the debt. We were used to that rhetoric from Paul Ryan, from most mainstream Republicans. They've just given up the ghost in favor of a short-term win. This explodes the deficit and the debt by right, 1.4. Where Democrats uh, never trillion. had it. Where Democrats never had that mantle of saying they cared about deficit and debt. Republicans, they at least well, Bill Clinton definitely talked. Well, okay, let's, let's be honest. But where we but, are in Congress right now, they're not, t- they don't, just one person, don't worry about but it. But I would but say seriously. even beyond that, but, but, but I mean, even beyond that, the fact that, again, the fact that this bill is extremely unpopular and Republicans are ramming this through in an effort to, quote unquote, get something done so they can go back to their constituents, this ain't what the constituents want. No one in America is taking to the streets with signs saying, give us tax cuts for the That's wealthy. That's the thing. I'm wondering that, too. I'm wondering if, in the end, Republicans really need, quote-unquote, this win on the board as much as as they have convinced themselves they need it when they're moving into 2018. Maybe. But guess what? I don't have to be right or wrong. I just have to pose questions. All right, stand by. Coming up, there have been a flood of lawmakers deciding that this year is the year to call it quits. Is the most powerful Republican in the House about to add his name to that list? What would that mean for Republicans in the House? What does that mean for 2018? What does that mean for the president? That's next. This is the people's house. This is the people's gavel. In the people's name, it is my privilege to hand this gavel to the Speaker of the House, Congressman and Honorable Paul Ryan. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Nancy. 
That was way back in October 2015 when Republican Paul Ryan took over the Speaker's gavel in the House of Representatives after the man before him retired, going from the kind of wonky, somewhat nerdy tax guru from Wisconsin in Congress to the most powerful Republican in the House. But is Paul Ryan ready to hang it all up? Reports that he is considering leaving the Congress and in the middle of is in the middle of some very serious soul searching right now. Let's get back to it because, you know, I love a speculation story. Bruce Haynes. Paul Ryan has been in Congress for just short of like 20 years at this point. So enough is enough right now. Well, I, I, you know, I think it's been a frustrating experience for him as speaker. There have been elements of his caucus that he struggled to control a group called the Freedom Caucus, you know, more conservative and independent minded. Yeah. He's, speed at, dialing, I, said, he's speed dialing John Boehner right now. Like, I feel you, man. Yeah, I see you mowing your grass out there in Ohio, and it it looks like a pretty good life. Maybe I could get back to that. Um, But, you know, Paul, you hit it on the nose, Kate. Paul's always been more, just as much or more, if not a policy wonk, than he is a politician in a lot of ways. And it's all been, he's been concerned with two big things. Could you ever do a big tax reform bill, and can we get entitlement spending under control? He's right on the precipice now of getting that tax reform bill passed, and then he's going to take a whack, I think, at and entitlement reform. Uh, and at that point, he may just decide, you know, there's not much left for me to do. Those were my primary goals. I've, I've done the best I could with both of them, gotten something accomplished, and it's time to let somebody else have a turn at this craziness. Uh, John Phillips, I have remembered a few times when you have basically made it quite clear you are no fan of a Paul Ryan when it comes to how he's been working with Donald Trump. You think this is, this? you think this has you think this has more to do with President Trump and their relationship, or do you think this has more to do with he's just done everything he could? I think there's a lot baked into the cake, but with all the retirements that we've seen coming out of Washington, I'm going to buy you some stock in U-Haul with all these guys going back to their <laughs> districts. And there are reports, given the whole sexual harassment um, craze that's, that swept the nation and a lot of those stories being unearthed, I think you could have a lot of vacancies in the Congress. And what's the old saying with Congress? If you want to find a, a, a job in Congress, look at the obituaries, not the one ads. So if you have a ton of open seats, you could have many different dynamics play out in the midterm elections. You could see seats that aren't competitive right now or no one thinks would be competitive, be very competitive. And I think it's just it's, it's a lot for him to deal with. John Avalon, here's the here's the denial-ish that came from his office today about these reports. This is pure speculation. As the speaker himself said today, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Hmm. <laughs> You're hanging a lot on that soon there, aren't you? Um, <laughs> look, I mean, you know, Paul Ryan, remember, when John Boehner left office, it was in part because he was totally frustrated with yes. the exercise of herding cats, those folks on the far right who he privately called knuckle draggers. And he's been made it no secret that he's pretty happy drinking red wine, smoking cigarettes and mowing his grass back in Ohio. Um, Paul Ryan has been a policy wonk first. He didn't really want this job. He was drafted into it. And he knew that, you know, it was sort of a thankless gig. And that was before dealing with Donald Trump as president. Um, but he just passed a tax bill or is on, seems on the precipice of it, but it's one that explodes the deficit and debt. That's been a core, uh, a core to him. He may try to p- push entitlement reform, um, but right now the problem is, is that the party has basically rhino-hunted the center-right, the people who are interested in governing, <laughs> almost out of existence. And, and, and that's a real problem, not just, Ch- not just Charlie Denton, Pennsylvania, but right down to Janeville, well, Wisconsin's mean, own Paul Ryan. If he hangs up the gavel, that's a, re- that's a white flag, folks. 
Well, but Simone, am I, is it me being cynical or is it me being, I don't know, because I am cynical, so maybe that has made me cynical. Is this about 2020 and the fact that if you want to run for president, saying that the saying that your last job, say, dealing with the fact that you're also a member of Congress at the same time is not a real endorsement for the American people? Well, look, I think if Paul Ryan wants to run for president in 2020, no one's going to forget that he uh, all but wrapped his arms around Donald Trump every single time he did something stupid. Uh, So uh, Paul Ryan can't get away from that. So I don't care if he resigns today, tomorrow, next week, next month or next year. um, He still has a long rap sheet when it comes to aiding and abetting uh, Donald Trump in this presidency and this disastrous uh, Republican Congress. But what I will say is this. There is a Democratic challenger in Wisconsin that is really looking like he's going to give, um, could possibly give Paul Ryan a run for his money. Randy what? Bryce, he's a union guy, came out with this really great video. He's iron raising stash. a lot of good money. You know, he, he iron, yes, the iron stash guy. And he put yeah, out, um, okay. his campaign yeah. put out, look, his campaign okay. put out some numbers that said there's six points um, I got some trailing Paul you. Ryan by six I points. I got some numbers for you, Simone. That ain't going to happen. Until well, I'm, I'm wrong, just saying, and then you can all laugh right at me. Happen Donald Trump's America. <laughs> yeah. Anything oh, I love is you guys. It's great to see you. Thanks so much, guys. This is day 329 of President Trump's administration. That's the state of America tonight. We'll see you back here tomorrow. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.